Hello and welcome to The Ball Bags, a weekly podcast breaking down all the news from the United Rugby Championship, the NFL, the English Premier League, the NBA and the wide world of sport. Hello and thanks very much for tuning into the return of the Ball Bags podcast. It's a podcast which is a flagship podcast for the network, so I'm delighted to have it back. If you've listened to any productions of the Mid-Season Slump, no doubt you know who I am, uh, the Sasquatch, the leading cause of migraines, I think, in North East Leinster. Um, if you have listened to some of other productions, you might listen to Huddled huddles and stout and you'd be very familiar with the stylistic vocals of rocky how are you sir i'm doing okay you're too kind you're too kind i think um if you're the leading cause of headaches i'm not far behind yeah. i might be up there in aneurysms yeah well you're just there once a week though uh, i think i do a bit more so. that's true look yeah um and delighted to introduce uh, a brand new voice for the autumn and Someone who probably will be a mainstay on the Ball Bikes podcast. Um, he may diversify, but we'll leave it up to him. It is the Chief. How are you, Chief? I'm good, Sasquatch. Um, yeah, delighted to be here and dipping my toes into the podcasting world. We'd have a round of applause for you, Chief, if it wasn't so harsh on the microphones. <laughs> yeah, or if we had the uh, if we had the production quality to put a, a post clap in. Um, but I suppose for the for the benefit of the listener, Chief, would you mind giving us just a brief biopic of who you are, what your interests are, kind of from the sporting world? I don't need to know your uh, relationships that certainly like that, but <laughs> uh, where yeah. your biases lie. No, I'm a general general sports fan. Rugby would be definitely up there as being my number one. Um, soccer, Man United fan for my sins. Years of abuse, I suppose, from all the <laughs> Liverpool and Arsenal Chelsea supporters when I was younger, and uh, yeah, uh, all all Chicago sports, big big Bears fans, uh, struggling on that at the moment. <laughs> but uh, yeah, looking forward to hockey and basketball getting back up and running as well. Perfect, brilliant. Well, um. I suppose I'll just give a, a quick intro to how the season is going to run. It's very much going to be, we're going to go by a standard format, which I'll explain shortly. And look, there's a few voices you'll know, so you're obviously familiar with Rocky. The Chief is a new voice. Uh, you may recall the coach may pop in from here and there, and we'd be remiss not to include the Tash from the Irish NRL show. So to kind of walk you through, give you a brief introduction of how we're going to do things, and we get down to the crux, but very sharpish. Every week we're going to have a player of the week from the previous weekend. We're also going to have our main segment, which is going to be Agree to Disagree, which is Around the Houses. It's going to be a bit of debate uh, from the world of sport, nothing in particular. Um, it will change with the wind and with the kind of the lay of the land in the sports world. And then finally, we're just all going to give you our game of the weekend. So what we suspect, the what we think is, is the one game, if you had to watch, to tune in for. So without much further ado, and to stop waffling on, Rocky, why don't you give us your player of the week for last weekend, and why? Well, um, my game of the week to watch last week was the 
Chiefs versus the Jacksonville Jags. So my player of the week is from that game. It's Chris Jones. Um, <clears throat> notably, he sat out week one on a contract dispute and he returned this week and kind of put his stamp on the game. Um, without Chris Jones in week one, Kansas had 13 pressures. And with Chris Jones back, they upped that to 24 in week two. Um he had himself seven pressures, five hurries, one and a half sacks, and one pass defended. If you like your PFF stats, he had a 37.9% pass rush win rate. That's highest off uh, interior defenders and second across all defensive linemen. Um, more than that, it's not just sacks, you know, in, in uh, insignificant spots. One sack was on fourth down. And his pass defended was on third down. So to come back, you know, his absence was highlighted in week one. And I think it really threw the the spotlight on him in week two and really shined, you know, his performance. It made it stand out. Almost took over the game. And what was, you know, what might have been chalked up as a sort of a quarterback gunslinging battle. And it really devolved into a defensive battle. And he sort of put his mark on it. Two sands is would have been fine. Oh, okay. I get the memo <laughs> for the next time. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. <laughs> um, there's a nice team I have. I like what you're doing there with the game of the week last week. This and then what's coming down the line. It's very clever. Uh, very thematic. Full yeah. circle. I'll be very, full uh, circle here. Unvaried. I I won't bore you as much as Rocky. Um, my player of the week was Levani uh, Botia. Uh, I just thought the Fiji result against Australia in the weekend was both historic for that nation and it was it's probably been slept on as to how big a result it is because they kind of knocked England off in the warm-ups and Australia and kind of maybe the power they once were but it's a huge result not just for Fiji rugby but the landscape of world rugby and I just thought I had to pick someone from that team of players and for me he was kind of probably the standout player and that's all I have to add on him now Beautiful. Well said. Concise. And you, Chief, what? who's your player of the week? And why? Um, just on, on your own player of the week, he, he actually came from my game to watch from last weekend, which was that oh, nice. Fiji-Australia game. Nice. And nice. yeah, I uh, agree, he was he was top class. Um, but my player of the week was Bundiaki. The man is playing incredible rugby for Ireland at the moment. Uh albeit against perceived weaker opposition he still had to go up against uh Maliki Fakatoa for from Tonga who you know an ex all black um massive player himself uh he another two tries for Ireland he like 80 meters gained I think in that game as well he just really put on a, a good show and it's just ticking along nicely and he packed down at the scrum as well with Peter Matney's yellow card so yeah, he's uh he's he's my player of the week. Perfect. Perfect. No, well said. Um always loved a little bit uh, of Bundy Yaki. Did you? And if we had to agree on a player of the week, gents, as a as an as an overall selection, do we do we do we think we could get an agreement there or? Um uh, I actually didn't watch much of the uh the Ireland game but I did watch a good chunk of the Fiji Australia so I'm happy to defer to to Bhatia uh, I thought he was even for me I wouldn't be as 
versed in or comfortable with rugby as as yourself would be chief and sasquatch uh but from a casual viewer he stood out yeah tend tend to agree um given the the context of of that game between fiji and australia um the performance as sasquatch said it's yeah i'd, I'd go with botia on that one Jeez, lads, that was uh it was very easy checks in the post um <laughs> i hope i don't have it that easy in the debates moving forward yeah but look um now to the crux of the show i suppose they agree to disagree so five minute buzzer we're all going to bring a different talking point from the world of sport we're going to leave it open then to the table to discuss about five minutes per topic and i will start the clock now so moving on from kind of two player of the weeks been nominated there's around 15 million people watched the world rugby world cups opening game between france and new zealand at a peak of 17 million uh, over the duration of the broadcast only the 2011 rugby world cup final between the same teams um, has had a higher audience. Didn't note that figure when he's drawn at my point, so apologies there. But has this World Cup, I'm going to christen it the TikTok World Cup, um, got the chance to redefine union to the masses? And I kind of say this with the knowledge that there is meant to be a Netflix special coming with a few nice little bits where you've got the names and numbers in the back. I like it as move. It just seems as if rugby now is in the perfect window, if it ever is going to become more mainstream, this seems like it's moment. Uh, do we feel like it's a possibility or would it still be kind of reserved for the upper classes as it, as it has been? <laughs> the nobleman's game. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think this is potential to be the biggest world cup and biggest opener to a lot of audiences uh what's great about it so far from the games we've seen the tier two teams are putting the tier one nations under pressure albeit it mightn't be against their first team like uh uruguay last week against france really put it up to them uh, Chile uh, were in it for 40 minutes against uh, Samoa at the weekend and I think yeah it's definitely going to draw more people in um, they just need to continue the good work though and not just promote the good the good tier one sides give plenty of audience for the tier two sides I think uh, yeah I agree I think um, again Rugby, I, I it's not something I would, you know, I'd watch maybe some international rugby. Um, so it, for me, it's hard to get a, a grasp on what the general viewership is. But just anecdotally, I don't have any empirical evidence. But I've heard people, you know, and I, I suppose it's, it comes with these major international um, championships. But people who I know don't really have an interest in rugby. Um, absolutely tuning into rugby for the first time or following the team and even following, you know, picking some of the, the second tier teams. Um, I have people who'd be familiar with the Six Nations, but then they, you know, by extension, they'd have heard of, you know, Georgia, who've been sort of on the the border there of, you know, there's been debate of them getting them into the Six Nations. Um 
So I think I think there is sort of a popularity brimming uh, under rugby, particularly with you know the Irish clubs provinces doing well as well. That it does just drum up general interest in the international game. Yeah, like I mean, I think it's 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 probably never been as in a strong position as it is right now nationally. Um, like we've been ranked number one for however many months. Uh, it's probably the most likable Irish rugby squad. Like you look at like the likes of Mac Hansen. Um, he just kind of seems to be someone who can break down the divide between. For want of a better expression, Southside Dubliners and the rest of the country, um, it can sometimes be viewed as an elitist sport. Um, but I suppose is that a reflection of the Irish rugby team at present, or is it more a reflection of where the game holistically is going? Probably, probably is a big reflection on the Irish team. Um, I've had a couple of discussions about this but I think just from an Irish perspective if we were to go on to win this World Cup it could be an Italian 90 moment for kids wanting to pick up rugby balls and be more interested in in watching rugby in general the the same way as tons of people got involved after Italian 90 and USA 94 and stuff like that it's yeah like it still is seen very much as elitist but when you look at countries like uh wales new zealand and like some of the, some of the bigger countries it's not very like it, it wouldn't be an elite sport or elite class sport um mm. in those countries so it could it could have a it could have a good effect but i think ireland is probably driving on it. and even the success of the urc is probably Helping that with the South African teams coming in, I think the stronger South African teams coming in and making it more competitive that it wasn't just Leinster winning or, you know, Munster being there. They obviously won it this year and stuff, but uh, yeah, it's driven driven the competition on, which then has a knock-on effect for competition in the national sides and stuff as well. So Fair. Um, the buzzer did go, um, but I suppose I just I like your point about Italian 90 and USA 94 but I would preface that by saying I don't even think we need to win it I think if we can quarterfinal <laughs> make history by getting through a quarterfinal yep. I think you'd be very surprised if things didn't jump in a similar fashion mm-hmm. gonna hand you all over now it is Rocky next so uh, my point here I suppose is is NFL flavoured but it does extend uh, beyond um, we saw Chris Jones and his contract hold out through week one in the NFL um, but he arguably could have swung the tide in Kansas City's first game when they only lost by one point. And he was dominant in week two, as, as I was talking about earlier on. But where do ourselves stand between supporting a player getting paid and a team hurting in their absence? I suppose I, f- I flip-flop on this kind of subject a lot, uh, the whole player power debate. Like, as much as it pains my soul, it is a job and it's a short career. So I do understand there is an element where players need to look after themselves. I know they're making generational wealth, say in the NFL, the English Premier League, other sports not so much. But 
I don't know how I feel about players sitting out in contracts. Like, like I do think a lot of this has come from. Well, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe someone's going to jump across me and explain that it was prior to this. But I think Le'Veon Bell, I think, was the first real big name I can recall in the NFL holding out. And it it kind of has had different varying effects for different players. Um. You look at a very similar situation in San Francisco, but they paid Nick Bosa right before the start of week one. They weren't willing to go without. Um, yeah, I, it, it's a difficult one for me, if I'm being brutally honest. I just think... I, I, I still like to hold on to the kind of... the romanticist kind of view of sport and that, like, it's my club and this player should want to play for my club. But it is a business. It is... We invite, we invite adventure capitalists into sport a long time ago. We can't be surprised when everyone becomes a venture capitalist. Yeah, I agree. It is a tough one. Um, trying to... You want a player to be rewarded for, you know, their absolute ability and I suppose commitment to the cause. Like if they're... If, they, if a player buys in to a franchise or a team and they're 100% in it, then... They should be rewarded with a nice payday, but to hold to ransom, I, I just, I don't know if I can agree with it. It is it it is the professional like it is the sporting equivalent of handing in your notice, and then your months noticed renegotiating with the company you're in, and being like, "Are right, you going to pay me an extra ten grand a year?" Okay, mm. right, I'll stay. It it's the equivalent of that. Mm. Uh, it, and that park and sport for a minute is a is a morally and ethical kind of I, I don't think personally I would be comfortable handing in a notice and then once I hand him a notice I'm done, I'm gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a tough it's a tough one. I don't think there is a right answer. Um like I think you you gotta back the player too, but what point does he be I think it's probably at what point is that player becoming greedy? Yeah, I think yeah, probably. The, there's possibly a couple of examples in the NBA as well, mm. like falling it with owners, James Harden, for example. Yep. Massive contract, um, you know, and but hasn't been backing up, backing up the numbers for a couple of seasons now. And James Harden is a great example because there's an element too of like a player gets slated for chasing the bag. And a player gets slated for chasing the ring. So what what do you want from a player? Do you want him to just sit there and hope he's in an organization with good upper level management, or do you want to win, or do you want a bloke who wants to get paid? Because you can't. It doesn't seem to be a happy like location. It's either he's only gone there because he's chasing the ring, or yeah, damn if you do, damn if you don't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, I can I can understand if if someone's been relatively loyal to an organization or team and the team's going nowhere i would fully back them to go and chase the ring and if it meant getting the bag with it happy days for them you know it's like the at the end of the day it's success that they want that that they measure on the money obviously helps for post career but it's it's what you're remembered for on, on field, on court, whatever it be. 
Yeah, keep going, it's fine. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of just my point. Um, now, one name um, haven't just, really gotten <laughs> now one example I was I was thinking about just um, when I was writing this point up was um, Lamar Jackson and you know he had a deal pending there last year and nothing got done and it was extending and extending into this off season and I think people were sort of behind him initially you know power to him he was a former MVP and I think as it got nearer and nearer to this season I think Fans certainly started to sour on him and all the speculation that he would leave the team. So, yeah, it's it's almost like the the life cycle of the holdout. You could see the people supporting the, the player mm. initially before it did devolve into, um, yeah, at what point Un- is enough enough? Until it got close to game time. That's when yep. the attitude switched. Mm. Yeah. It shows the fickleness of a fan, I suppose. Um I want you to do well, but I don't want us to lose. It's probably yeah. It's fair. Look, I I generally think as a as a talking point, as a topic, you could put twenty people in a room, and you could sit there for two or three hours. And I've personally always find I flip flop the whole way through. It's very situational. I don't think I've ever got to the crux of it or got to like no, that's my stance on it, and I'm happy to sit there because I just think it's it's a minutia. It's there's just no. It's yeah, so it's it's answer, it's case it? by case rather than a blanket sort of feeling or rule. I think. I can even be case by case, week by week, as it like progresses. It's, uh, yeah, fascinating. But look, we've waffled on far too long. Let's give the man his airtime, Chief. You're up. Um. So, my agree to disagree or point would be on Ireland manager Stephen Kenny. Under an awful lot of pressure, a lot of uh, talk in the media that the FAI are just holding out to possibly to the end of this campaign, qualification campaign, to let him go and bring someone else in. I've seen Steve Bruce being marked down as Bucky's favourite. I think uh, just on that, I think Steve Bruce would be a backward step for the national team. I think... Yeah, I, I think- the, the other name being lobbied around is coming away is probably Lee Carsley. Um, there's a lot of chatter about Lee Carsley. Um, it's, I think the Stephen Kenny, I think this is a slightly tinfoil hat theory, but I think the fallout from Vera Powell has probably saved, saved Stephen Kenny until the next international window at least. I don't think they could go through the turmoil of what's happening right now in the women's game and the players... Hammering the best women's coach we've ever had. Um, and she was, look, I could rant on all day about how she's been treated during her tenure. The whole body shaming, inverted commas, element of treating, telling professional athletes they're a little bit overweight um, issue in America and how the FAI defended or, or didn't there, let's just say. But Stephen Kenny, for me, I was pro Kenny. Because um, we play good football at the start and there's an element too where I sometimes just sit back and I just say, we haven't got the players. Um, so he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. He was phenomenal in an underage setting. And you look back to kind of his whole period in charge of Ireland, it's been a bit of a shambles. Like He brought Mick McCarthy in for a year to kind of knowing that he would step away after a year and Stephen Kenny would move up in the 21s 
Um, then we obviously had the COVID years, which was very hard for the most experienced of coaches to navigate. And look, he's had his, his kind of tiffs. I don't think, I think he's a coach, not a manager. And I think he excels in the underage kind of setup because there's no media attention. Well, there's limited media attention. He can kind of work with the players, develop the players, and then send them on to the next level. I think that's where he, his kind of sweet spot is. It's kind of like, to to reference it now for Rocky, it's kind of like Eric Bieniemy. He probably is always going to be an offensive coordinator. He probably just doesn't suit him or he probably knows it doesn't suit him to be a head coach. Kenny, I just... I, I do kind of feel like the time is up at a certain point in time despite the style of football you're playing you have to start getting results and he, and he just hasn't got the results maybe he's unlucky but I just I, I think it is time yeah look I wouldn't be yeah. too knowledgeable really about the FAI nor you know Ireland's um, Ireland's football team so my view would be more of a macro view and uh, is he in his third year of his of his tenure and or a was he yeah, given I think, I, I think so, yeah. around 2020? Um, and I think I read as well that Ireland are at their, their lowest seeding since 2015. So, like, that doesn't look good, you know, results of a coach. Um, but then again, it's, you know, you can only work with what you're given. And I am led to believe that the players aren't there. So it's it's what do you do? Um, and I don't know. <laughs> That's yeah. it's a it's a tough one. I'm like moving on from a coach. What what do you expect that to solve though? At the same time, like it's it's a question you can ask in any sport. Um, is a simple change in in strategy and culture going to you know provide drastically different results? I think culture is a big one though. Uh, to rob the example of our of our national rugby team right now. I think they are powered primarily on culture. Um, I'm, I'm like, I think the culture in that Irish squad is probably as good as it's ever been, and that's why they've been so successful. Was it culture eats talent for breakfast? Is that the expression? Could be wrong. Could be, yeah. Uh, so something along those lines. Culture eats anyway. something for breakfast. It's anyway. a good one yeah. anyway. Yeah. Culture eats um, Stephen Kenny for breakfast. Yeah, no, they're all they're all fair points and. Um, there's there's an expression in sports that better to win ugly than to lose beautifully or or lose pretty um and as divisive as martin o'neill and mick mccarthy have been as irish managers and their styles of play they got results they got us to some tournaments and ultimately that's where the irish fan wants to be they want to be able to go to European Championships and World Cups and okay we might get beaten over there but we're there for the crack. <laughs> there for the crack. Um, we get our, but, we get our summer away every two years. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I think uh, my own opinion is he, he probably has unfortunately come to the end of the line. Um, I think you made a great point about the Vera Powell situation that if she had been kept on or that wasn't going on in the background he possibly would have been let go after the Dutch game and I think to do well though to retain him in like an overall 
uh, head of youth development or something like keep him within the FAI setup, possibly. Okay. You know, um, like he's he's been successful at underage as you said, but I think there's something there. I, I think you could be right in that the manager role doesn't suit him, but if he was like development officer or something, you know, that kind of maybe like New Sephora yeah. for the IRFU type of role or something. Absolutely. Um yeah, like I think yeah, I think we're kind of all in agreement and I think unfortunately I think it's very hard to defend Kenny anymore. That's kind of where a lot of people are. But with the buzzer buzzer they go, but it's a it's an interesting one and look we might have to pick this up in a few weeks uh when I again. But uh yeah look the final kind of segment it's it's a nice quick sharp sharp one. Basically just give the listener your sport and fixture that has to be watched this week. And we'll start with the Chief. What is your sport well, and fixture? No no big surprise here considering rugby's my uh my main love of uh of sports and stuff. So the big one on Saturday night, Ireland against South Africa, eight o'clock. Um it's the top two teams in the world going off against each other. Uh it's South African power and blitz defence against Ireland's smarts and Ireland have power as well so it's yeah definitely my must watch game of the week Fair. I think we'll all be tuning in um, Rocky what's your must watch fiction um, if, if anybody listens to the Huddles and State they'll know myself and yourself are a little bit biased so I've selected the Philadelphia Eagles uh, versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, I think it's poised to be a, a good defensive game, but uh, the Eagles are went to the Super Bowl last year. They should be a good team. There's not a great selection of high-octane matchups this week, so I think we might see um, Philadelphia start to, to fire on cylinders and hopefully we'll have a good game. Fair. Um, and I knew you'd be biased, so I didn't have to be biased twice. Um, so... <laughs> I, I've gone for North London Derby, obviously massive Arsenal fan myself. So that is on Sunday the twenty fourth. Uh, it's on Sky Sports main event. Kickoff is at two o'clock. Um, it makes sure it's a good game because it's kind of strange. Both teams have started well. Usually one starts poor and one, one doesn't. But yeah, North London Derby, Sky Sports main event at two o'clock on Sunday. And if you haven't got Sky Sports, not that I condone it, but I'm sure there's there's a semi legal way of watching it. Um. But yeah, look, that's the main crux of the show. I hope you enjoyed listening. Chief, can we count on you coming back again? Or Yeah, definitely. Uh, look forward to it. It's not like um, that gay experience in college. Dip dip the toes in now. I think uh, time to go head first into it. <laughs> Good stuff. Lovely. Well, look, that's all from me. And that's all from me. Thank you. And that's all from me. Thank you. And good night.